0: Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level.
1: Welcome to the Cinema and Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Leese. Today we're diving into the latest box office news, movie news, and streaming news from around the industry. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Leese, and on today's episode, we break down the latest box office numbers from this weekend and dive into some of the latest headlines from around the industry. Before we dive into today's episode, we'd like to remind you you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Just search the Cinema Gold Show, and of course, you can find a link to our social media in the video description below. Without further ado, let's dive into today's topics. The verdict is in, in, its second weekend, Supernatural Horror Pick, The Nun 2, narrowly prevailed over the new entry, A Haunting in Venice, the third installment in the Agatha Christie-inspired movie series. The Nun sequel took in $14.5 million compared to $14.3 million for A Haunting in Venice, according to Monday numbers. The race was too close to call on Sunday when estimates from New Line and Warner Brothers showed the non-sequel grossing $4.7 million for the weekend, while 20th Century Studios slash Disney and Haunting in Venice earning $14.5 When Sunday projections are this close, only $200,000 separate the two films, the industry generally considers it a tie until final numbers are tallied. A Haunting in Venice had hoped to top the chart in its debut. While a threequel opened in line with expectations, it's still a muted start for the film, which will need strong legs to come out ahead. Similar to other recent movies with a fuzzy cast, the threequel had to make its final publicity push without the help of its stars because of the ongoing actor strike. In addition to directing, Kenneth Branagh reprises his role as the iconic de- detective Hercule Poirot opposite Camille Cotton, Michelle Yu, Tina Fey, Jamie Dornan, Jude Hill, Kyle Allen, and Ricardo Scamarcio. This time out, Disney's marketing team made the decision to highlight the movie's horror elements as part of the campaign versus only the murder mystery themes in hopes of expanding the audience. The strategy worked with younger adults who were the most avid moviegoers, making up the majority of the audiences. Conversely, Older moviegoers, the franchise's traditional target demo, didn't show up in the hope for numbers overseas. From where the franchise draws much of its strength, *A Hunting in Venice* opened to an estimated 22.7 million in its first 51 markets for a global start of north 37 million. The threequel didn't open far ahead of the last film in the series, *Death on the Nile*, which started off with 12.8 million domestically in February 2022 when the box office was still in recovery mode. The sequel was among the many films delayed because of COVID-19. It also had to contend with negative publicity surrounding star Army Hammer, who doesn't appear in the new film. That film's ensemble cast included Gal Gadot, Atisha Wright, and Death on the Nile topped out at a subdued $137.3 million globally. 20th Century, a division of Disney's movie Empire, capped the three-goal's budget at $60 million. Compared to at least 90 billion for the last one. 2017's Murder on, the, Murder on the Orient Express turned into a sleeper hit after opening to 28.6 million domestically, on its way to earning more than 350 million worldwide. The first film's ensemble cast includes Michelle Pfeiffer and Johnny Depp. All three movies received a B Cinema score, although A Haunting has notably better reviews. The Nun 2 enjoyed a stronghold in its sophomore outing and falling 55%, a good showing for a horror pick. The movie has amassed $56.3 million in its first 10 days domestically. Overseas, it earned another $30.1 million from 72 markets over the weekend to jump the $100 million mark internationally for a global total of $158.8 million. us know your thoughts in the comments section below. What did you think of the movies that were released this weekend is there anything that surprised you that did well at theaters or didn't do well let us know and now of course on our next topic winning time the rise of the lakers dynasty has been canceled after two seasons on hbo the drama starred john c Riley, adrian brody jason clark quincy isaiah and michael chiklis Despite the show being called Winning Time, telling the story of the five-time championship-winning Lakers of the 1980s, HBO's Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, will not be returning for a third season. After airing the season finale of its sophomore season, it was confirmed by HBO that the series will not be making a comeback to the court. The sports series was created by Max Bornstein and Jim Heck with the news of the cancellation confirmed by Bornstein on Twitter. He wrote on the platform, quote, Not the ending that we had in mind, but nothing but gratitude and love. The sophomore season finale saw the Lakers, led by Larry Bird, lose the 84 NBA championship to the Boston Celtics in heartbreaking fashion. However, the Lakers won't have an opportunity to reclaim their crown in the third season. Also speaking on the news, series director Sally Richardson wrote on Instagram saying, When you give it everything you've got, you can have no regrets. Hope you enjoyed the last episode of Winning Time. I'm sure I will do many more hours of TV, and hopefully, many features in my future. What I can say that about, say that, at this moment in time, I am most proud of the work we did on this masterful show. Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty is based on the book, Showtime, Magic, Kareem Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s by Jeff Perlman. The future of the series has been tenuous for a while, and this had prompted Perlman to take to social media to spur people to watch the series. Quote, I'm telling you, future of winning time hangs in the balance. We need viewers. The strikes are crippling. Please help spread the word. Season 2 is amazing. But HBO is big on numbers. However, the ratings for the second season have taken a hit, which has ultimately contributed to the show's abrupt ending. Winning time sought to depict the golden age of the Lakers in the 80s, despite getting considerable pushback, with former Lakers Jerry West and Magic Johnson questioning the work done on the show, with Johnson saying, quote, you can't do a story about the Lakers without the Lakers, the real Lakers. You gotta have the guys. Johnson is portrayed by Quincy Isaiah and Jerry Buss, who owned the franchise at the time, played by John C. Riley. The series also stars Adrian Brody, Michael Chiglis, and Jason Siegel. Other cast members include Jason Clark, Gabby Hoffman, Devon Nixon, Solomon Hughes, Brett Cullen, Spencer Garrett, Molly Gordon, Joey Brooks, and Rob Morrigan. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. What did you think of a winning time? Did you watch it? If you not watch it, do you plan to? Let us know. Of course, give us your thoughts on the series as a whole. And now on to some more rather exciting news. Good Burger 2 has set a late fall release date. Kenan Thompson and Kale Mitchell Return to lead the beloved comedy sequel this November. Paramount Plus has just unveiled the official artwork and release date for Good Burger 2, the sequel to the beloved 90s movie which was originally based on a sketch from the Nickelodeon comedy show All That. The sequel to the cold classic movie brings back familiar faces such as Dexter Reed, played by Keenan Thompson, and the original Good Burger cashier Ed, played by Kel Mitchell who find themselves back at Good Burger in the present day, along with a new quirky group of employees. The movie is produced by Nickelodeon Studios, and it's set to debut just in time for the haul.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty-nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: Holiday season on Wednesday, November twenty second, exclusively on Paramount for viewers in the UK and Australia. It will premiere on Thursday, November twenty third, on Paramount Plus. The classic 90s sketch made its debut on All That back in 1994, revolving around the fast-food joint known as Good Burger and its endearing oblivious cashier Ed portrayed by Mitchell through seasons 1 to 5. This beloved sketch inspired the worldwide release of the feature film Good Burger on July 25, 1997, courtesy of Paramount Pictures. The expanded feature focused on the character of Dexter Reed, a high school student, who accidentally crashes his mother's car into the car this teacher to pay for the repairs. Dexter takes a job at Good Burger. He ends up working alongside Ed and becomes entangled in the restaurant-centric and chaotic nonsense. The central conflict in the movie arises when a rival fast-food chain, Mondo Burger, opens nearby. Mondo Burger is run by the arrogant and conniving Kurt, who is determined to put Good Burger out of business. Dexter and Ed must come up with a plan to save Goodberger from its impending doom while navigating a series of comical, absurd, and chaotic situations. It was a popular film among children and teenagers and the like in the late 90s and has since gained a cult following. In the 2019 revival series of All That, Mitchell made a triumphant return, reprising his role as Ed. In this iteration, Ed had climbed the ranks and became the seasoned manager of Goodberger after dedicating two decades to the establishment. Good Burger Two will premiere Wednesday, November twenty second, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Though I would personally say I wish we could watch this in theaters because it would seem like a good holiday season movie to watch on the big screen. But you can catch it on Paramount Plus. And if you want to sign up for Paramount Plus beforehand, use the link in the description, and that can help support the channel. And now on to our next topic. The truth is, Tim Burton came out and has revealed that Michael Keaton was reluctant to return for the upcoming Beetlejuice sequel. Beetlejuice 2 is almost finished with production, set to resume filming as soon as the Hollywood strike ends, but the sequel wouldn't be happening, not for Michael Keaton's change of heart. In years past, when Beetleju- Beetlejuice 2 seemed to be forever stuck in development hell, Keaton had teased an openness to revisiting that world. However, by the time Beetlejuice 2 finally began to make some real traction, the actor was hesitant to return as the ghost the most. Director Tim Burton said as much in a recent chat with the British Film Institute, noting that while Keaton was apprehensive about the sequel, he was still able to slip right back into playing the part perfectly, despite more than three decades passing. Beautiful Burton said at Keaton's performance, Quote, he was the same way. He didn't want to do it. Initially, he had no necessarily burning desire, but I have to say, it was the most fun. It reminded me of back in the old days, this unhinged thing unleashed on the set. I was quite shocked at how easy it was for him to kick it back into it. It was like demon possession. Bringing back Keaton was just one of several ways the director wanted to maintain the spirit of the original Beetlejuice. That not only meant bringing back some key members of the original cast, but taking a similar approach with the filmmaking down to utilizing practical effects over CGI. As Burton said, quote, Working with these people again and seeing them all it was very emotional for me. Again, just going back to the old, same puppets and techniques. It goes back to the old days. Along with Keaton, it's been confirmed that Winona Ryder will also return to reprise her role as Lydia Dietz, Catherine O'Hara is back as Delia Dietz, while Wednesday star Jenna Ortega has joined the cast as Lydia's daughter. It has also been revealed that Willem Dafoe will appear in the movie as an afterlife law enforcement officer. In the BFI interview, Byrd noted how the movie is almost completely wrapped with filming, noting that there are just two days of shooting left to finish. Beetlejuice 2 is scheduled to be released in theaters on September 6, 2024. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. Are you excited for Beetlejuice 2? Uh, Were you a fan of the original? Do we have a sequel, or was Beetlejuice 1 perfect and not should not be touched? Let us know. And stay tuned, because we will be reviewing Beetlejuice this holiday season sometime in December. Now on to our next topic. Oppenheimer has crossed $900 million and is close to becoming the highest grossing biopic ever. Thank you. Even in its ninth weekend, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer keeps on refusing to slow down. At least in the overseas markets, the film has once again piled on its already rich list of records. The three-hour-long epic World War II drama has officially reached the quote, Trinity Test, stage of its epic box office run since it managed to cross the pivotal 900 million mark from its Friday performance. While this figure is already more than double what was needed to term profit, as well as the early estimations, The film, performing like a major superhero film at this point, has evidently started to chase a few more milestones, beginning with the $1 billion mark. As of Friday, the estimated total stands at $903 million, with a major share of $586 million contributed by international markets. With Sunday's weekend numbers factored in, industry experts project the global revenue to reach somewhere around $912 million. This monumental success will certainly hold, uh, secure its position as the highest grossing biographical film in history. Surpassing the previous record holder, 2018 Queen Biopic Bohemian Rhapsody, which also happens to star Oppenheimer's actor Rami Malek. The film's top five performing international markets are the UK at 72 million, China at 50 million, Germany at 47.5 million, France at 41 million, and Australia at twenty six million. The film is still steady in China, and the market is likely to decide whether it reaches the billion dollar club. Notably, the film has also drawn Universal Studios into the spotlight, as the studio managed to surpass the four billion dollar mark in global box office revenue for 2023. Universal has had a great year at the box office, in addition to Oppenheimer, FastX, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Megan, have all contributed to Universal's success as it becomes only the second studio to achieve this feat in the current year. It also marks the third instance of any studio reaching this milestone since 2019, with Universal achieving it for the fourth time in its history after 2015, 2017, and 2018. The film also stands as Nolan's third highest grossing film behind The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight as well as the year's third highest behind Barbie and the Super Mario Bros. movie. The film is also the second highest grossing R-rated film behind 2019's Joker, and the highest is a World War II film. Additionally, Oppenheimer is also the fifth most successful film in IMAX, with over $170 What makes this feat even more special is the film is entirely surrounded by superheroes and major blockbuster franchises, including Avatar, Avengers, and Star Wars. Starring a star-studded ensemble of Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., L. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Lawrence Pugh, and Rami Malek, among others, Oppenheimer made its international debut on July 21st and has since enjoyed widespread acclaim and commercial success, while numerous critics calling it a frontrunner at the upcoming awards season. And if you haven't watched it yet, you can still catch it in theaters a local movie theater near you. And as all the topics we have for this episode, let us know your thoughts in the comments section below on the top did we covered. Is there something we missed? Is something we got right? Got something wrong? Let us know. And we might be able to cover it in the next episode. Of course, if you want to support the channel, you can go ahead and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash gold. And as always, give us a thumbs up if you like a video. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been watching The Cinema Gold Show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Gold Show. Find us on Instagram at The Cinema Gold Show. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Cinema Gold Show.